DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Father Christopher Collins, who is the current chair of the board of the Apostleship of Prayer in the United States. A popular speaker, retreat guide, and spiritual director, Father Collins has traveled all over the country and around the world to promote the devotion to the Sacred Heart and Eucharistic spirituality. He entered the Society of Jesus in 1995 and was ordained a priest in 2006. Father Collins teaches theology and is the director of the Catholic Studies Program at St. Louis University. Father Collins is also the author of The Word Made Love, The Dialogical Theology of Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI. With Father Christopher Collins, we go inside the pages of The Three Moments of the Day, Praying with the Heart of Jesus, published by Ave Maria Press. Father Collins, thank you so much for joining me. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. What led you to put this together to determine that there the need for those three moments? Well, it's it really goes back to my gradual involvement into the apostleship of prayer, which is a a work an apostolate that's been entrusted to the Jesuits, to the Society of Jesus by by the Holy Father, going all the way back to the 19th century. And one way of teaching people to pray and to think about our own prayer is is in terms of these three moments, how the Eucharist itself, the, the liturgy itself, even celebrated on a daily basis, is is the, the foundational moment, as it were, of our day and our encounter with the Lord, the most perfect encounter with the Lord. But then also to set ourselves up both at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, the other two moments, to have bookends, as it were, of the day to to try to make an offering. So the one of the, the first moment being that that uh, morning offering prayer we can make in in an ideal way to say to Jesus, I want to try to live my life today united with your heart that's opened up to the world. And even if there's suffering involved, even if there's piercings along the way, there there can also be a heart on fire. And I and I want to make that offering to you, united to your heart in the Eucharist for the salvation of the world, really. So that's the first moment. And then the the last moment of the day being that examine, something that comes out of the spiritual exercises, the spirituality of St. Ignatius, uh, to look back on the day and say, well, okay, I made an ideal offering at the beginning. Now, now as the day has passed, when I look back on it, how did it actually go and all the little things of the day? That offering, kind of seeing the day through the lens of the offering, uh, when did I really offer my heart to the Lord, to the people around me, to the world? And then when did I start to shut down my heart in various ways and to make a make a review of it at the end of the day? But we're also shown how, and we get drawn into and incorporated into the perfect offering, which is the Mass itself, the Eucharist itself. So that's kind of how we we sort of settled upon, kind of a discovery of what's already there, you know, of, of uh, a way of finding... God in all things, and finding all things in God, uh, particularly in the heart of Christ. So that's that's kind of the way I kind of walked into it. Well, that anchoring into the sacred heart of Jesus, knowing that it's more than just maybe that image that we've seen on our grandparents' wall. Right, exactly. And that was that was also one of the things, you know, I, I grew up in, I was born in 1971, so after the Second Vatican Council, and I grew up in Arizona in a pretty new part of the church, <laughs> relatively speaking, in the world. And there was not a lot of devotional life that I grew up with at all, and even the imagination of all the devotional life that older generations had 
that just wasn't part of my upbringing. But I describe a little bit in the book about how I was kind of drawn into that, uh, finally looking in a new way with new eyes at that image of the Sacred Heart. Um, that that really drew me in, and um, and and that's been another thing that I mentioned in the book is that I I was also reading when I was a novice, a Jesuit novice, first entering a letter from from our Father General, Father Arupe. And it turned out to be the last letter that he wrote to the Jesuits around the world in the early 1980s. And he said, we need to rediscover among ourselves and the Jesuits uh, devotion to the Sacred Heart. What's an authentic devotion to the Sacred Heart? And he says, I know there's lots of reasons why we've maybe let this go and maybe some of the artwork is a little too over overly sentimental or it's not attractive in various ways. But he said, get over it. Because at the, at the heart of it, this is essential for our lives as Christians and especially as Jesuits, uh, the Society of Jesus, to encounter the love that, that Christ has for us and that that's our whole mission is to make that love known and, and received in the world, especially those to those who most need to receive it. So there was a great challenge there, and I didn't really know what he was talking about, devotion to the Sacred Heart, but it somehow seemed like an important admonition. So I, I took that to heart, as it were, and then I, and then in various capacities and different sorts of ministry experiences that, that I was involved in, I was, I was kind of gradually shown the depth of what that that one image means in the, in the heart of Christ, that God has taken on a heart of flesh in Jesus, and He offers that heart to the world, and his heart gets pierced in that offering, and yet, and yet he's the, the love that is his, of, uh, belonging to him, given to him by the Father, is what allows him to overcome even death itself. And so, a few years later, I would read a an essay by by then Cardinal Ratzinger, later Pope Benedict, and he talked about devotion to the Sacred Heart also, but you know, much later in the, in the 1980s, I think it was. And he said, look, devotion to the Sacred Heart is not one devotion among many. It's the Christian devotion because it sums up the entirety of the Christian mystery of the incarnation, God taking on a heart of flesh, and and the, and the Paschal mystery, his heart pierced and, and, and bloodied on the cross and poured out, and also on fire, the mystery of the resurrection. It's all right, the entire Christian mystery is right there. And then if you extend it even more so to the Eucharist, that's when what we receive in the Eucharist is, is the heart of Christ himself, not just in an image, but in reality, sacramental reality. So in, in, in all kinds of different ways, the, that, that one vision of the Sacred Heart shows us who God is in Jesus. Shows, he shows us who we are or can be to have hearts like that, to live like that, and, and that we can receive that that love on a daily basis in the Eucharist. So, you know, just gradually I've kind of been drawn in to, to be able to, to encounter in, in, in deeper ways what's, what's, what should be obvious, I guess, but, but sometimes isn't. And, and uh, uh, so I, that's part of what I try to do in the book is just uncover what's already been given to us and what we're already party, uh, partly living, but maybe we could deepen it in a, in a, in a, in a new way in our, in our daily lives if we reflect on it a bit more and, and have our imaginations broadened a bit and our, and our vision of what our daily life is, is like united to the heart of Christ. Anyone who's familiar with 30-day exercises in the first week, that is where you encounter that tremendous love that the Father has for us. And that's, 
that's at the heart of that, the fire of that flame that's in over the heart of Christ. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and that really all this spirituality that's in the book that I try to uncover is really, uh, first of all, it's just Christianity as far as I can tell. Uh, it's, it's living the gospel, but in a particular way informed by maybe the, the key of Ignatian spirituality that, that comes from the spiritual exercises that, that, that leads us into first a recognition of the goodness of God, the beauty of God's creation, and how I'm a part of that beautiful, harmonious creation, and then it all falls apart by our sin, by our rebelliousness, by our selfishness, our ingratitude, and to the point where we become, if we really confront the depth of our sin and selfishness, we, we realize, I can't get myself out of this, and, and I can't, I can't uh, redeem myself. I need a redeemer. I need a savior. And so then you're, you're led in the second week of the exercises to encounter the person of Christ, to encounter the wonder of, of the mystery of God stooping down to be one with us in the incarnation and coming in all humility and poverty so that we won't be afraid of him, so that we can come close in his vulnerability that he takes on in, in, uh, in Bethlehem. And, and then we follow the, the ministry and the, and the action of Jesus during his, his, his public ministry and then moving to the third week of the exercises, which is a, a contemplation of the passion of of Jesus, all the way all the way to the cross, offering his heart ultimately on the cross, pierced and 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 poured out for us. And then into the fourth week of the the mystery of the resurrection, how how that mystery of the, the depth of the Father's love for Jesus overcomes even death itself and, and, and that we are as Christians and those who have encountered Christ, we, that's the same story for us, right? If we, if we come to know Jesus and allow Jesus into our own lives and, and allow ourselves to be allowed into his life, then that's the mis- that's the same, very same path that all of us will follow and are following right now. Uh, it, there's only one, I kind of like to say, there's only one human story, really. We think things are all unique to us sometimes and, and uh, nobody understands us wherever in different times, but uh, really there's only one human story and, and God has taken on that human story in Jesus. So we can always find ourselves within that one story of, of, of who Jesus is and his, and his vulnerability from the beginning and the vulnerability at the end on the cross, but that vulnerability is not weakness. It's actually the perfection of, of life. Really. It's, it's, uh, the openness that, that God has given to us through the heart of Christ and then that we can participate in ourselves if we let that in on a daily basis. We're talking with Father Christopher Collins, who has authored The Three Moments of the Day, Praying with the Heart of Jesus. And the reason I, I love the book so much, the work so much, Father Collins, is that this is a practice that's every day that can be for the rest of your life. It's not a program that has, you know, a start time here and it ends here, and then you're left wanting, well, well, now now what do I do? How do I go deeper? Because if you do just as you outline in this book, and you do it every day, the universe opens up for you, doesn't it? It does, and there's always something new, too, that's always unfolding. And, And even if we get into a place of discouragement, or ruts of various kinds, we know that well we've got we've got another day coming and uh and that's part of the I think the power of that examine prayer, that, that moment of the end of the day, 
looking back on, on how things went. And we can see in an unfolding way, well, I did have my moments there where my heart was really opened up to the to the love that the Father has for me. And, and, I, and I offered that love to the people around me in the world. And I did small things with great love, as Mother Teresa used to say. I have those moments. But I probably also have moments where where for whatever reason my I started to get defensive around my heart. I started to put boundaries up around my heart and started to shut down and get turned in on myself and sin in various ways. And then if I'm paying attention to that on a daily basis, I can start to to uh, to, to to talk to Jesus first of all about why am I doing this? Why do I keep getting into this trap of getting turned in on myself in, in various ways? And and then I can start to see, well, I, I just, there's parts of my heart that need healing, that need his particular mercy. And I, and I can be more particular in where I invite Jesus into my life and into my heart where I need that, that healing. So it's a, and it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing story. You know, it's not just like you say, uh, spiritual life is not, you don't just have a set of techniques and you learn them and you get a discipline down and, and it's all taken care of. It's, of course, it's a, it's a daily mystery that's being, lived out and we're either drawing closer to the Lord or we're drawing farther away, but there's always new hope for drawing close again. Um, but it really does seem to be always a matter of the heart, always a matter of love. You know? And I think that's the mystery of, of how love works in, in any relationship, whether it's our relationship with God or the, or the people around us. You don't, you don't just get, you don't get done being, you don't, you don't come to a place in your life where you say, well, okay, I, I am now a wife. I'm just done being a wife. I mean, I've, I've reached that place of being a wife or a son or a father. You're, you're just always a father. You're just always a son. You're always a brother or sister and, and, and there are peaks and valleys in all those relationships, but it's not like you're ever done with that. You don't ever perfect being a son or a wife or a child of God for that matter. It's, you're always living it uh, moment by moment. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. This is Dr. Anthony Lillis. And Chris McGregor. And we invite you to join us in a once-in-a-lifetime Discerning Hearts Trinitarian pilgrimage throughout the Holy Land. This will be a unique opportunity for contemplative prayer, spiritual teaching, and fellowship in one of the holiest areas on the earth, the places touched by the lives of Jesus, Mary, and and the apostles. During this time, we will also walk closely in the company of the prophet Elijah through the most miraculous moments in salvation history, our history, which would later become pages in the gospel. Along with Sister Magdalite Balduc of the Community of the Beatitudes, the community of the famous Father Jacques Philippe, we hope to lead you into a new encounter with the great mysteries of our faith and a renewal of your devotion to the Lord. Join us May 26th through June 2nd, 2020. Please visit discerninghearts.com for a full itinerary and learn more about the contemplative Discerning Hearts Trinitarian pilgrimage to the Holy Land. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love, 
and your grace, that is enough for me. Amen. This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Please consider making a tax-deductible gift. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the discerning journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. We now return to Inside the Pages. Father Collins, I, I think there are so many people out there that would, they've heard that the need to have a spiritual director, but they're just not available or it's just, maybe they just cannot find that particular person at this time. I don't want to be discouraged and say they're not out there, but they may not be able to find that person. What your book has done is so beautiful because even in the question sections are those gently probing moments of maybe being receptive that you can go back to again and again that can at least guide in a way kind of like what a spiritual director would do. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you put it that way. That's that's helpful um, because you're right. And not everything depends on having this. It's nice if you could have a good spiritual director, but it's also not necessary either. But the, the most important thing is that is that we're talking and and listening. Ultimately, talking and listening with the Lord, and but also those who are close to us, maybe in the context of confession, especially, but also intimate friends or close people in our lives that we can. Uh, just acknowledge certain things where I'm, where I'm feeling, you know, discouragement or joy or to have somebody to talk with. And, but ultimately the most important talking that we need to do is with, with the Lord, uh, about the kind of joys and the, and the hopes and the struggles and so on that I'm experiencing on a daily basis. And, and I, and I think that's, as long as we're just acknowledging those things and speaking to Jesus about them, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to find the truth of our lives. And, you know, and by the same token, the worst thing that we could be doing is talking to ourselves about any of these things. And I think that's one of the, one of the things that the evil spirit, the enemy of our human nature, as St. Ignatius calls Satan, uh, tricks us into talking to ourselves about things and getting ourselves paralyzed in that monologue that goes on in our heads. And, and, you know, sometimes we, we talk to ourselves about, uh, maybe the judgments that we have about other people, we kind of get kind of harping on all the faults of those around us. And in our pride, we can be talking to ourselves about how bad this person is or that group of people is and so on and, and feeling kind of self-righteous in that judgment. Or sometimes we can turn it on ourselves and, and be talking to ourselves about how, you know, how much of a, a failure I am or how much I've messed up my own life and there's no hope for me and I don't have any future and nobody's ever going to love me or, you know, whatever it is. And as, as long as I'm talking to myself, either about other people in judgment or talking to myself in judgment about myself, uh, that's always going to be a distortion every single time, I think. Uh, but as soon as I say those things out loud, to, to Jesus, if I if I if I speak out those distortions that I've come to believe, 
they just don't sound right when I mention those, when I say those things to, to the Lord. So then I think hopefully part of what this book can help people do and help me do and help try to remind myself too, uh, don't talk to yourself. That doesn't get you anywhere. In fact, it only takes you down into isolation. Uh, so speak out in dialogue on a daily basis with, with Jesus about both the things that I'm happy about and grateful for, joyful in, and then also the things that hurt, the things that are painful, the things that are where I feel discouragement or where I'm tempted to not have hope. Tell, tell him why, why I'm not feeling hopeful or, or why I'm feeling discouraged. And somehow just in the talking, in that dialogue, we, 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 get, we get renewed. We get a new sense of, of the truth of our lives and, and, and where we are in the world somehow. That's something, something about dialogue itself is, with Jesus is, is where we find the truth. Every part of this book is, there's such a beauty in it because there's always movement. Even as it may sound odd for me to say that, even in sitting still and being silent, there's a movement because when we're silent and receiving, God is pouring into us. So there's always, there's this exchange that's continually going on and it helps the, the work that you've done helps foster that. And whether it's in the reflection and the deeply saying the words of the morning offering, knowing the why we're saying what we're saying, but then also in that examine, you could journal, you could just sit and listen, or even reflecting on these tremendous prayers that you've picked out. The prayer of St. Claude de Colombier or the prayer of humility. Oh my gosh, the litany of humility. There's so many gems in here. Right. Yeah, of course, the whole tradition's filled with it, and all the different saints point us in various ways to to essentially this relationship. It's it's the relationship itself, and, and it's being honest with, with the Lord about where I am at any given time in my weakness, even in my sinfulness, uh, but, to, but, to, but to bring it into relationship and not to, not to try to live this life out by ourselves or somehow somehow uh, trying to do this on our own that's that's just even even in even in the Christian vision sometimes we can we can even be deceived in a path of holiness as being something that I'm going to accomplish by myself if I'm just really disciplined about it or something like it's some kind of private project that I'm just going to become holy that's, it just doesn't work that way right or that's not the way we're made we become holy by being by, by opening up our heart uh, to those around us and, and ultimately to the Lord and even opening, especially opening up the, the parts of our hearts that are, that are weak and, and sinful even, opening those parts up. That's where we become, where we become saints, you know, where we get grasped by the, by the mercy of God. So, you know, even, even as much as it's good to try to, be doing a perfect job on a daily basis in every moment. If I'm trying to do that by myself, then forget it. That's just never going to work. <laughs> so, uh, but but I become perfect in in holiness only by by being in relationship and, and in a, in a very real way, and especially from the places that are vulnerable in my life. It seems to me. That's why I'm so glad you had that whole section on the discernment of spirits, because it's if you're engaged in prayer in that relationship 
there has to be the acknowledgement for the Christian, at the very, very least, that our prayer, we're engaging in the, the visible and the invisible, and there is a battle. I mean, that's why they, whether they call it spiritual warfare or they, that the spiritual battle, I mean, that is a reality that you cannot dismiss. If you do so, you do so at your own peril. Exactly. That's a that's a huge element of our of our lives. That uh, as as Christians, as human beings, it's important to to just realize that that's part of what's going on. And you know, a, a lot of the uh, I'm never operating in a vacuum, right? Uh, whether that's socially or spiritually, that the there's always an evil spirit that is that is leading me into isolation in various ways, whether that's into pride or shame or any number of other places of sin, but it always leads to isolation. And by the same token, the Holy Spirit is always operating and moving us into relationship, uh, essentially, and, and leading us into, uh, maybe it's a, a place of, of repentance. If I'm stuck in sin, the Holy Spirit stings. Uh, is something one of the ways Saint Ignatius talks about that is that if I'm if I'm stuck in all kinds of patterns of sin in my life and habits of sin, the Holy Spirit op- operates like water splattering on a rock, kind of a kind of a sharp, jarring experience, right? In order to map us out of this rut of selfishness that I'm that we're in, and and for that person who's moved stuck, kind of stuck in sin, the evil spirit operates more like water, not splattering on a rock, but water soaking into a sponge. It's just like it's not even noticeable. Uh, just kind of that gentle encouragement. Yeah, keep going along this way. Everybody does this. You know, this is the way the world works. This is just normal, right? And and then for the other kind of mode that we can be in, not stuck in sin, but if we're basically seeking God and trying to live a a life that's one of love and and hopefulness and relationship, it's the opposite. So it's the evil spirit then that tries to be like that water splattering on a rock to jar us out of that that life of virtue, something some kind of shocking, strange temptations along the way or just flashes of anger that leads to breaking down relationships and so on. Uh, so it's it's the opposite way that the evil spirit is more jarring for the person basically seeking God. And then the Holy Spirit is one who becomes gentle in that case and almost unnoticeable the way the Holy Spirit encourages us in the life of virtue. And then, you know, once we've had a big maybe conversion in our lives, uh, sometimes that's one of the downsides or or it seems to be one of the downsides. We say, "Well, I I miss the kind of drama and the big rushes of of grace and the great feelings that came when I when I converted, and now things are just kind of normal, and I I I miss all the <laughs> the sort of rush of things." Well, that's because this is the way the Holy Spirit works for a person who's who's basically seeking God, so that now you're not just looking for that kind of emotional rush or drama of conversion, but now you're on the path. And so you just kind of stay the course in, in a gentle, ordinary, humble way of, of continuing to seek the Lord. So, so you're not grasping after those good feelings anymore, but it's, it's just uh, now I'm, I'm not seeking the good feelings that God gives, but I'm seeking God himself instead. Um, so there's some really some, uh, a few of those things I try to 
a lot a little bit of that discernment of spirits section that that comes from the spiritual exercises of of Saint Ignatius. Very, very practical um, uh, pointers along the way in the spiritual life to realize you know why does it work this way in my interior life uh, in these various situations? Well, it's because I am who I am. I've got my I've got freedom, but I'm also being uh, acted upon by the evil spirit that's trying to lead me into isolation, but also by the Holy Spirit to to lead me back into into relationship and into faith and hope and love. Mm. Well, Father Collins, I wish we had more time. I think one of the beauties of the three moments of the day, praying with the heart of Jesus, is that this is something that, I, I mean, I am hopeful that RCIA programs right now that are bringing people into full communion in the church. I, I wish this would be in all of their hands uh, and any adult faith formation and well, and just, just any of the seeking souls, because it is such a wonderful, wonderful resource. Any final thoughts? Well, I'm just, I'm just grateful. And then maybe especially that I need to see with new eyes again, how it is that, that I, first of all, need the Lord and, and to have, ourselves be struck by wonder at how God comes to us in the, in the smallest of ways, the most apparently insignificant of ways, the most uh, humble and, and poor of ways. Uh, I think it's a good time of year for us to be, to be shaken up uh, by the mystery of that, both the need that we have for the Lord in our lives and, and how it is that he does come to us in, in the most surprising of ways. So uh, that would be my, I hope and prayer for for myself and for you and for and for all the listeners too. Father Collins, thank you so much. It's been a privilege. Thank you. With Father Christopher Collins, we've gone inside the pages of the three moments of the day, praying with the heart of Jesus. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to AveMariaPress.com, the website for its publisher, Ave Maria Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this discussion along with many others, go to DiscerningHearts.com. This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from Today's Most Compelling Authors.